but we we really see him grow out of that. I can only trust myself into okay. Not everyone's out to get me. Yeah, there are people in this galaxy that I can not only trust with my own life, but with the lives of individuals who are important to him as well. Where did you get that armor? I can bring you in warm, or I can bring you in cold. Does this look Jedi to you? I like those odds. You know, you're not so bad for a droid. This is the way. Hello you beautiful people and welcome to the Popcast Theory Podcast. This year has allowed us to consume even more pop culture from the comfort of our own homes. But sometimes we have to ask, what is it really all about? What are these characters' stories? How does that story influence their development? And most importantly, how does their story influence us? I'm your host, Tony Ramos, and along with my two co-hosts and best friends, Frasqui and Miko Lukban, we explore the journeys of these characters in recent, much older sources of pop culture and how they made an impact on our lives. All right, so welcome back to the Popcast Theory Podcast. Here with me are my co-hosts, uh, Miko Lukban and Frasqui. I'm Tony Ramos, your What's host. Up? And today we'll be talking about our favorite bounty hunter turned dad, Din Djarin. Or as a lot of people call him, Mando. But I honestly think it's like slang or even racist in the Star Wars universe. So we're going to stick with Din's name for the rest of this thing. Again, spoiler alert, obviously, we're really going to be going into the two seasons of The Mandalorian. Uh, his journey so far, especially with uh, Grogu, the baby. If you didn't know that, you really should know that at this point. But that's Baby Yoda, fine. bro. Baby Yoda, Baby Yoda. If you want to stick with it, Baby Yoda. So yeah, uh, today we got my two best friends, and we're just going to be going over his journey and the implications that it might have on the future of Star Wars and the future of Din as a character, and really, how did he reach that point right, as a whole. So first off, uh, I'll just give a quick summary, and then I'll just ask these guys like what they think, like how did it impact Din, and then uh, you know how does that influence his character as a whole, right? So today we'll just be going over uh, a little bit. I'll just be going over the synopsis of the entire series. So of course we still got season one coming in. So this is obviously fresh off the destruction of the Death Star from Return of the Jedi, Star Wars Episode Six, and. You, we see the 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 reeling back of the empire and the new republic kind of settling in everywhere, and then early on it's really established that okay here comes this this badass guy who's just you know he takes shit from no one and he really just loves doing his job. Uh, love being relative. He, I think he does it for the sake of his enclave, his fellow Mandalorians, and he's like shown as the one who's able to go beyond their hiding spot and really just. Uh, you know, represent them essentially, and you know, people keep telling him, that, "Oh, uh, you know, Mandalorians are so rare nowadays." Like people keep referring to him as Mando. Like we never learned his true name. Like this early on, nobody knows his true name. Uh, later on, uh, he finally gets in in contact with uh, a very suspicious contact. It's actually uh, these these Imperials who want to do a very specific sort of bounty, and then he's being paid in Beskar. Beskar is the Mandalorian armor. We're not gonna get into that whole thing, but essentially, it's really strong. And it can deflect most things, uh, which we kind of see in the second season. But, it, you know, it's not as explored. It's just uh, what happens is that that's how they sort of... Character get, upgrade. Character upgrade, character upgrade, essentially. Yeah. Uh, it, he, he upgrades, like, his entire getup, like, in the first few episodes, which is honestly amazing. Um, and, yeah, so 
early on in the series, uh, he's he's assigned to to get the kid, which is which is referred to now as like I guess Baby Yoda if you don't want to use his real name Grogu. Uh, but that that's really it, and, and that kind of goes from there. Now he he's supposed to get the kid, and then he's able to get the kid. Early on, it's already established that he was supposed to get the kid alive, and then he was with a droid uh, called IG Eleven, an assassin droid who was assigned to kill him. So he was a little confused, but then he just killed the he killed the droid, and then he took the kid, gave the kid to the Imperials, got all his Beskar, and then spent it all immediately on clothing. Well, I, I mean, yeah, it has to look good, good fit, you know. Gotta look good, gotta look good. I completely gotta look fresh, dude. Yeah, and it's like that was like a super video game moment. It was just like, oh, I have money, spend it on <laughs> spend it on clothing. Like it was so relatable. Uh, but yeah, at that point, uh, suddenly he feels kind of guilty for actually giving the kid away. At that point, early on, like he was just like, "All right, what am I actually doing? I, I just gave a kid to the to the nastiest people in the galaxy who just lost, you know, the, the biggest war of the galaxy." So then he was just like, he had a heart-defining moment. He was like, "No, I can't do this." And then he goes back to their hiding spot, blows it up, saves the kid, uh, and then his enclave has to save him in extension. And then he actually he he has to get away from the entire thing. He has to escape, and there are other Mandalorians from his enclave kind of save him, and then make sure he escapes safely. And then he loses contact with them. As far as we're concerned, the only uh, family he has is this new adopted kid. And that's not really established early on, but then in the future episodes, we kind of see their their relationship grow and grow further. Uh, the next episode, I think, uh, it immediately established that the kid was still being hunted by the Imperials. And no matter where uh, Din went, the kid was never safe. So it, it, was, it was just that level where you know we really see their relationship you know being deepened even further and i think even then towards the end when he had the he, he was working alongside his old boss uh grief karga which is the uh the bounty hunter leader of of his bounty hunter area in on his planet and on navarro and then that was like he, he said like they were going to come up with a plan to actually get rid of the Imperials on the planet because the Imperials were able to take over after Mando left. Well, after Din left, sorry. Wow. That really sounds like a slang. Um, but yeah. And alongside that, it was just... It, it, everything that he sort of did from that point onward was really for the sake of the kid. Because to some degree, you have to consider Mando's personality as a whole, right? And I guess we can sort of explore season one first before we jump into season two. And yeah, I kind of wanted to get you to, to know your thoughts, right? Like how... How did it actually get to that point? Like, why did he take such a drastic position with with the kid? Like, like, would you actually turn your back on the bounty hunter guild and everything, and just because of a kid? Like, I think the first episode when when he's actually able to turn immediately and just save the kid. Like, does that was that a character defining moment? Like, what do you guys think? How did that really influence his entire character arc, leading on to just preserving the kid's life for like the rest of the season? I don't know, like like really looking into it now and getting that whole recap of season one, it would make sense naman if if Mando found himself in the kid's position, you know, he related to the kid, right? Yeah. Because when we do see season one, we do get those flashbacks of Mando as a kid running away from danger and then his parents putting him in this in this hiding place, right? Yeah. Up until he gets found by the by the other Mandalorians and then Yun he gets recruited. If anything, that puts Mando in the same place of his of his saviors. Like Baby Yoda was was a bounty and he was he was in danger, right? You yeah. know, a bunch of other other droids were, were out to, to kill Baby Yoda. When Mando retrieves the bounty, it's it's kinda like the parallel of when 
you know, the, the Mandalorians open, open the doors and they find this kid laying um like hiding right it's kind of like that also yeah. with how baby yoda sees bandos like oh you know he doesn't know who this is but you know ends up taking care of him and putting him under his under his um protection and then we we see we see that grow with when mando decides to, to give up the kid and then have a change of heart and take him back and then put him put him on this journey and i guess I guess even though Mando at the start was such a, uh, you know, even even till now is such a stoic character, and tries to tries to live by by the creed and by the way he was taught, he he still has that like if if it's cheesy enough to say that human side of him, you know, he still <laughs> got that that heart. Let's just say that he's got that heart that we don't usually see with the other Mandalorians, I guess. But it's with, with the other Mandalorians, they're just like, okay, I got a bounty, gonna shoot him down, take the money, go shopping, and, you know, freaking upgrade my freaking armor. And well, just we look actually good. don't see what other Mandalorians do. Yeah, you don't see what the other ones do. But yeah, I, I get your point. Yeah. Like, generally, yeah, but it's, you know? it's very, yeah, like that. I, I think it's interesting, yeah. right? Like, uh, I, I think the point to drive home as well is, like, to, to what degree does this din actually respect certain rules and certain creeds right because uh when yeah. you consider how much he's lived his life by the creed it's the mandalorian creed and uh but then when you consider the organization that he's a part of as well besides the mandalorian creed like the bounty hunter skilled right like you're not supposed to kill a client right you're not supposed to uh go back on a kill and then do that, that, that whole thing but then there's a character defining moment when when grogu when baby yoda actually saves din right and uh I guess there's that part like when Din's like he's like okay I'm I'm gonna die because like I can't handle this beast and then uh, Baby Yoda uses the forest right, right and just like flips it like for me that's like that's like a very big moment because that's when he actually does become conflicted because it's not explicitly stated but isn't he like honor bound through life like a life for a life sort of thing and that's where like the oh. creed sort of overrules any sort of guild rule that he might have you know been maintaining and that then because for me it's like. I think the entire Mandalorian series, it's, it's like, it's a way of bending the rules, right? Like there are rules, but then he's like, he's always bending them. He's always like, like never breaking them. At least not in that case. Uh, and it was, it was always just sort of touching that surface level. And it, but it always came back to sort that respect that came from the, the Mandalorian creed. So yeah, I super got that. Uh, I guess it's sort of stacked on top of it that this kid saved him. And then next off, this kid was essentially helpless because he gave it away, right? Yeah. It, it kind of stacked. Now he saw himself in the kid, and the kid saved him, and then you know all those things. He's essentially a part of the creed, right? And I, I think that's that, that relationship really stacked up on itself. And then he was just like, you know, screw it, screw the guild, screw the Mountie Hunters Guild. <laughs> I'm gonna save the kid, right? So all about the kid. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it, it essentially became that, right? Because like the kid was like basically Mandalorian. Especially when the armor, I think, is like the the boss of like the enclave, sort of announced that the, this foundling is now under your care, and then Din's like, "What?" <laughs> and then, like, and I think Din was like the same thing with the audience, sort of like uh, understanding slowly that the kid was actually, you know, Mandalorian, right? And then, especially later on in the in the season, we're like, uh, I think I think it's actually Grief Karga, the the guy, um, uh, his old boss. Was actually the one using Mandalorian's not a not a race, and then Dins is like it's a creed, and then you're just like <laughs> you're like okay, like 
that, that, that's all you needed to hear because it's a, it essentially said anybody can be Mandalorian, right? So, yeah. Uh, before we move on to season two, uh, Miko, do you have any thoughts? No, yeah, I think like uh, like a big thing to like really keep in mind is that the the creed and being a bounty hunter were, are two entirely different things exactly, and aspects yeah. of of his life, and I think in that decision to uh, to save the kid and go back on essentially the bounty hunters, and like I think even in the show, it's even seen like when he like talks to the armor about you know, the kid and saving. The saving the kid because I mean if you think about it like as a whole like you know, the, the empire which the Mandalorians don't like and you know, there are there are actually a lot of things that are like you like even from the beginning that Din uh, was really unsure about this contract you know, the fact that he thought it was a package it turned out to be a kid yeah you know, like in all these things it really just emphasized how much importance that he gives towards the creed versus everything else. And that that's why I think in that moment he was just it was essentially it was essentially a fuck it moment where he was like, what was more important was following the creed instead of what was arguably the better slash safer, as you will learn later on for the enclave as a whole, choice of just leaving the kid uh, with who the client was. Yeah. So I think it it, it it was really real like yes, there's of course him the kid saved his life and all the things, but it really just goes back to how much he believes how much he believes and really follows the creed to its core, which is something that's interestingly challenged from season two, uh, where we learn certain things about his creed specifically, yeah, and how it may not be the truth in a way. But I'll let you take that. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really perfect way of really doing it, right? Like, uh, I think just to explore that even further before we jump into the season two synopsis, it's like uh, if I were Din, right, and I was uh, fresh from the purge of of Mandalore, right, they can actually. Uh, you know, you're having your planet glassed and everything and, and, and your belongings stolen. To some degree, uh, he was just taking the best card back, right? Like, the more I think about it, I'm just like, yeah, sure, I broke some like bounty hunter guild stuff. But not gonna lie, imagine being paid with, like, the blood money of your culture. It's just, um, like, to some degree, it was just Din saying, you know, yeah, like, it, all the stuff was stacking against the, the imps, I think. And then he was just like, this isn't even right. Like, the payment it's it's not something you should you know get it's something that belongs to, to us to, to the mandalorians right but yeah uh with that in mind like let's explore further in season two i'll just give a quick synopsis and then I'll, you know again same thing we did earlier to sort of explore uh din's character development and how that really impacted his journey right so uh, a quick synopsis uh at the beginning of season two we kind of see din uh with, with grogu like openly going alongside like his his carriage his floating carriage um looking for other Mandalorians because he's looking for a Jedi. And he was like, all right, so logic dictates that if I find more Mandalorians, he can help me find the Jedi, which is where I can drop the kid off, right? Like that, that's literally his logic because uh, he's bound by honor and bound by the creed to deliver the kid to Jedi. Uh, sort of a mix and match sort of series. Uh, you just see him go on uh, essential side quests. Uh, I, I honestly think the first episode was more 
homage to, to literally getting Boba Fett's armor rather than anything because it doesn't uh, essentially impact the greater plot. It's just benefiting a single side character, which we get later on. Uh, so that's the first episode. Then the next episode, the next few episodes, it's just, okay, so we meet the, the new Mandalorians and the legit Mandalorians. And this is uh, what, what Miko was kind of mentioned earlier, the, the whole conflict with, with, with his identity as a, as a, as a whole, like, cause we see Din is so stoically connected to the creed and, you know, to, to his past and his culture and everything. Suddenly we're, we're showing uh, the legit Mandalorians, the non-Death Watch, non-fanatic Mandalorians that, that came from Mandalore, right? And then these guys, like, you know, it really sets the tone when Bo-Katan, uh, she comes out of nowhere, right? And she helps them. She takes off her helmet and then she's like, what's going Holy on? Holy shit. Yeah, like, like, like can you, you can imagine? Do that? <laughs> you can do that. Like, the episode <laughs> before, he literally got mad at a guy for taking off his helmet. And then he was right. Like, the, the guy wasn't Mandalorian. The guy, the guy bought the armor off some Jawas. By the way, I love that guy. He's a really cool marshal. Um, I hope we get to see him in season three. But uh, right, like the next episode or like the next two episodes, I think uh, we we're literally exposed suddenly to this kid, and then uh, to this kid, to, to these legit Mandalorians, and they remove their helmets after like a season of just, huh? That's a cool tradition. Nope, it's not a tradition. <laughs> it's, a, it's not a legit tradition, right? It's a it's a fanatic it's something. Uh, the fanatics follow exactly yeah. right and. Uh, it, it just it's just it's just this other barrier suddenly that 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 then has to confront like head on like he's just like all right maybe i'm you know maybe i'm different to that degree like there there's there's certain levels that i don't fully understand right that that i'm used to and then throughout the entire uh season uh i i would argue that despite the the Je- jedi looking like looking for the jedi sorry uh was was his explicit goal i do think there was that level of i want to find out more about you know myself and like the mandalorian culture as a whole because like that was still like a subplot as soon as he found them he was just like all right they can't help me and suddenly they did help me because they told me where where to find ahsoka tano which is also a sort of i honestly think season two was more of yeah, let's throw as many side characters as possible and see how they may relate to the plot and here we you get know, it's a big world it's a big world well. might as well yeah. it's a big galaxy <laughs> it's a galaxy sorry it's a big galaxy simple man making my way in the galaxy no no <laughs> yeah so we essentially we eventually sorry we eventually see uh, ahsoka and then she just tells uh us what we've already figured out about grogu I can't train you. And then everyone's like, oh, great. Yeah, we knew that. <laughs> but then, then she explains why. And then it's the whole Anakin uh, problem that, oh, this kid's attached to you. And he's, he's got the work on his attachments, right? Like as a whole. And that's a problem because you, you can't become Jedi or something to that degree uh, because of those attachments. Like you have to become untethered and everything. And uh, he needs you essentially. And for then he's just like, Huh? Like, what do you mean? It, it's like, uh, I, I think then at that point was like a dad in denial. Like, you know, that he's literally taking care of the kid in every aspect that you might consider. He has like those little interactions where he's just like, he cheers for the kid, like in silence. You know, the whole, I think the kid was trying to fix the thing in the ship, right? Like, there was like a backdrop uh, scene. Like, in, I think it was an intro. And then the kid fixed, like the kid electrocuted himself. And then then was just like, huh. but then it was essentially a dad moment. Like fixing your car with your kid like how subtle can you get like that their entire relationship was getting very uh you know father-son sort of dynamic and besides you know grogu 
probably being older than him uh <laughs> or like like a teensy bit younger uh yeah I, I think at that point ahsoka just tells the audience what we've already figured out that uh first off ahsoka's not a not not a jedi jedi she's a great jedi and you know she wasn't gonna take in another person who fell to the, the dark side like because of attachment so she was just like nope i'm out uh Good luck, though. And then here's a planet that you have to go to. So for Din at this point, his his main quest line has expanded so much that I'm pretty sure anybody who plays Skyrim probably gets probably gets a headache at this point. Um, and for him, he's just like, all right, fine, I'll bring him to the planet. And then when he brings it to the planet, this is like the big uh, thing that really messes with him. Uh, the kid gets captured, and he meets like a whole ensemble of like different characters, right? And he actually is able to meet Boba Fett and. I think Boba Fett's sort of another example of oh here's another Mandalorian example, right? <laughs> like if 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 you've been exposed to like the fanatical side your entire life, that's your that's what you know Mandal Mandalor is and like Mandalorians are. And suddenly you meet Bo Katan, you're like, oh those are the legit Mandalorians, oh shoot. And suddenly you, you meet, you know, a simple man making his way in the universe, uh bounty hunter as well. Like suddenly, he's like, I'm not a Mandalorian, yeah, like, but that's my armor. <laughs> but that's my armor, and then he's just like, oh shoot, right? Then it, it gets for for I get I bet for Din like there's there's like a certain level of culture shock, but then at that point he's just happy because uh, he has the those two characters, he has Boba and you know the assassin, up uh, helping him out at that point. And for me, I it's it's again kind of reflective of the first season in which he he gathers an entire ensemble to, to rescue the kid again and then they're able to do that right and uh there, there's a filler episode with bill burr's character <laughs> and it just kind of shows like the horrors of the empire but i think that episode is also pivotal in talking about uh in challenging din's beliefs right because like uh bill burr's character actually has like i think his name's migs mayfly but yeah we'll just call him bill burr's character um <laughs> he's, he's able to expose like that that level right he, and then he just asks like to what degree like wh what are you talking about with like the helmet wearing right like wh what's the point and then then doesn't really explain he just says oh it's my culture it's my creed and then you know Bilber keeps prying and everything and then even in the end when there has to be a facial recognition scan which is honestly kind of dumb because it should be someone in their database but Din's not in their database. Sorry, I'm getting into the episode. But uh, you just need to show a face, I guess, so you're not a droid. And anyway, so so Din takes off his helmet and then he shows everyone in the in that canteen sort of area in the Imperial base uh, his face. And then he scans it, then he gets the information they need. Bilber has like a standoff with an Imperial commander, kills him, everybody goes crazy. And then Bilber gives back his helmet saying, here, I didn't see anything. And it's just, it just really challenges it, right? Because... At the end of the day, people respect him for who he is, not necessarily for his culture. And people respect his culture because of who he is, right? Like th that there's that entire angle that, that's really relatable in a character and in culture in general that, that we just see in that episode. And even though it's like it feels more like a filler episode, we, we really see the nuances and how he interacts with other people and how other people really view his view on, on Mandalorians. Like why, why does... Like he, Bilber essentially said, why does this make sense to you, but not to me? Like, you know, it doesn't make sense. But then in the end, he still respects Mando enough to give him back his helmet, right? And then afterwards, we get the whole uh, Moff Gideon arc where, you know, Din essentially beats him up and steals the Darksaber. And then 
uh, Luke comes in, saves their butts, takes the kid. Spoilers! What? There's an X-Wing! No. There's an X-Wing! A single X-Wing! And then you see Moff getting on the floor like, oh! And then... <laughs> yeah, discussion for another time. Uh, Moff Gideon, another character. But yeah, but for, but for Din, like at that moment, it, it just everything was sort of piling on. Like first off, he stole the dark saber in combat, or that stole. He won the dark saber in combat, and Bo-Katan is just there, and she's like, "Oh no, I have to, I have to kill this boy, <laughs> or like do something." <laughs> like her face is very mixed. Like it's either oh, I wanted to, I wanted to do it, or. Oh, I have to kill him. Like it, it is. It's but essentially it boiled down to I don't. I still don't have the dark saber. <laughs> that, that was really the thing. And here comes Din, our our boy who literally knows nothing. Like he's literally the Jon Snow of the Star of the Mandalore culture <laughs> at this point. Like you know nothing, Din Djarin. Like it's really that, that relationship so with everything. Wow. Like everybody just looks at him and they're just like, oh my god. And then Din's just like, what? I beat the bad guy. Bad guy dead. Dark Saber mind. You want it. Yeah, take, take, take it, take it. And then Bogdan's just like, no, I can't. Like, you know the like hot potato sort of there's level. There's the story. Yeah, there's, there's the story. story. Yeah. And then, he obviously does not know. We need a season three. And he's just like, just just take it. Like, I, I uh, uh, what did he say? Uh, you win. Like, to, to that degree. There's like, a I word. See, I can see. Surrender. Yeah, surrender the, the Dark Saber to you. And then she's like, he's like, oh, I can't, I can't. And by the way, if you guys uh, want to know a little bit more background on it, essentially, and I've explained this actually a bit fast, like one time we were talking about the Dark Saber. In the history of the Dark Saber, some people are asking like, oh, what what, what about, you know, uh, Rebels, like Star Wars Rebels. Somebody literally, Sabine, I think, was the one who just gave it, right, to Bo-Katan. And yeah. there was like that entire discussion where, technically speaking, if you check the people beforehand, it was literally just stealing, 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 stealing. So her giving the, uh, like Sabine didn't even win it. I think she, she stole it, right? And uh, her giving it to, to Bo-Katan was just sort of like the cherry on top saying like, you know, I didn't win it. It's just yours. And then, <laughs> uh, but then at the same time, there's like that certain degree where uh, there's a level of like bad luck associated with not winning it in combat. And people don't will not really respect you and follow you if they heard that. Oh, okay, you just received it. You didn't win it, right? And maybe that's why Mand- Mandalar got glassed in the first place. Maybe that's why the purge happened in the first place. And then Bokatan, maybe she went from practical to more superstitious because she was like, okay, when I took it practically from Sabine, everything went to hell. So I have to do this the legit way. Like that's her mentality. And here comes Din. Ah, hey, here you go. And then she's like, oh no. Like, after like that whole mindset change, here comes this kid doing essentially the same thing, right? So there's that certain level that's really interesting with, with Din. In a sense, yeah, it, it goes back to that subplot where he really doesn't understand Mandalorian culture, at least the legit Mandalorian culture. I right? think he's only been exposed to the fanatical Death Watch uh, one in set. And then, the, yeah, it's really a cult. It's really a, a fanatical cult of, of Mandalorians. And to, to put that cherry on top, like if you think his his development as like you know uh, you know in respect to socialization and things that he's familiar with, and like you know just just generally how he is as a person, like you know he he's being exposed to people who like him, who actually like him, who respect him, who want to work with him consistently, um, and you know like just really know where he's coming from, like it's it's all like he. he even though he doesn't really, he's not really aware of it. There, there's some sort of credit he gives to the kid, right? Like the kid's been with him the entire time and been supporting him the entire time, and then suddenly he has to give up the kid, right? Like that's like 
that that's such a big moment. Like, uh, if I had to compare it with something personally, I'd say like, I don't know, maybe going to college. <laughs> like, there, there was like that, that degree that I had to say goodbye to, to my parents for like a while, right? Like, there was that there was that entire thing. Like, I had to live on my own. Well, I had roommates. Um, like, but there was that there's that like big thing that okay, these people have been with me for like a really long period of my life, and then suddenly we just say goodbye. Like, that's insane, right? And for him, I can't even. Well, I can compare it. I just did. Uh, but maybe to that degree, right, of, of how much the kid actually benefited him and really brought out the best in him. And at that point, when he has to give up the kid to Luke Skywalker, he knows it's the best for him. And he even removes his helmet to actually show it to the kid like one last time for the, for the kid leaves. And that's really... Like, that entire experience was just insane. Like, it's, it's experiences stacked up on experiences for him. Like, he's so... He's so messed up, I think. Like, not I wouldn't say traumatized, but uh, at that point, like so many major events in his life happened. Like he was able to finally show his face to, to someone he genuinely cared about. But then at the same time, he had to let that person go, right? So, yeah, I, I think, well, we just reviewed uh, seasons one and two of uh, The Mandalorian. I really reviewed more of, uh, gave like a, a not really short uh, synopsis. And yeah, uh, but for you guys, like, what do you think? Like, how do you think uh, season two really had made its impact on? on hey, on Dennis God, uh, I'll go first. Because uh, I, I just kind of realized something, and this, this was something that was seen in season one, but I feel like was just further expanded upon in season two. Yeah. Uh, is we see then slowly become more trusting of people. Yeah. Like in season one, like at the beginning, he's like his intro is probably one of the most badass intros ever. But the key thing to keep in mind is for a lot of the fights and a lot of the encounters, actually, he's alone. And as we also learned, he was the only one of the enclave of the Mandalorians that was allowed to go out and to go be this bounty hunter yeah, that yeah. became super unknown and all that stuff and you know we, there's also the trauma with that he has with droids that's why he didn't really trust the the ig droid even after uh what's his, the the wait, what's his what's his thing again what's the thing he always says uh, again, i have spoken yeah, I have spoken. Yeah, I have spoken, guy. I have spoken, guy. Like we, we see like through Ben's interactions with him, even and you know like talking about the droid. Sorry, when even when the droid was reprogrammed, he still didn't trust the droid. But you, as you mentioned, like at the at the end of the season when he went to go save the kid, a lot he got all of these side characters in to come help him. And in season two, there were a lot of side characters that. Like if if you like you notice in season two, Din was doing a lot more with a lot of other people. Yeah. Like he he had the the time with Ahsoka, with the with the legit Mandalorians, with with Boba Fett, and in the end he got he brought everybody together to go save the kid. And I think it's it's a real sign of Din trusting the people around him instead of always just depending on himself. And I feel like the end of the season is kind of the the climax of this arc of learning to trust other people because he was able to hand over the kid to Luke knowing that 
this was the best uh, decision for the kid. And like in that way, he's essentially trusting Luke with the kid's life. A life that he had spent so much time and had gone through so much hell to protect. He's essentially just giving the kid away to this guy who might as well be a complete stranger who apparently yeah. is the only person in the room who didn't know who this guy was. Yeah, um, yeah the John Snow of... Uh, <laughs> what makes this guy special? He's got a nothing star. about the Star Wars. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think I remember I saw a meme that's essentially Ben is essentially watching the Star Wars universe, universe like, around him. just like, wow. Whoa, yeah. holy shit. But, but I, yeah, I, I feel like he also trusted the kid. Like, on that note, yeah. like, he really trusted the kid yeah. enough for the kid to make that decision. But yeah, go on. Yeah, and, but yeah, he also trusted the kid. I mean, of course, with the experience he's had with the kid saving his life, I mean, that's, I mean, if that doesn't put the trust in someone, then like, I don't know what you need to Nothing trust will. someone, dude. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I feel like it's just there's just, there's just been this arc of then like in the creed and having to do things on his own. You know, this is the way and whatever. And in season two, we really see him not only question his beliefs. You know, this may not be the way. <laughs> maybe um, this isn't the way. Maybe yeah. this isn't the way. But we we really see him grow out of that. Uh, I can only trust myself into. Okay, not everyone's out to get me. Yeah, there are people in this galaxy that I can not only trust with my own life, but with the lives of individuals who are important to him as well. Like my my mind's getting like go ahead, go ahead. so, like, nah, lots blowing up on my mind now. Like like he like I'm realizing so much. Like for for one, being for me to talk about how how uh, how Din became more trusting and 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 you know and all that you know this this huge character development from season one to season two well like it, it just made me so 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 amazed like how the show really puts us in in Mando's place in Din's place like like whatever he knows we know also like it, it to to, to anyone. To anyone who's watched Star Wars already and then got into the whole Mandalorian trend, or you know, just watched it because they love the, they love, uh, this this world that's been made. Like these these people will be aware of who Ahsoka, Bo-Katan, Luke Skywalker, all that. But to to those who are just like checking out Mandalorian because wow, it seems interesting. Maybe this could be my way of getting into Star Wars. It really puts us, you know. The, like that type of group in the din space because when we get introduced to din all we know is the creed all we know is this is the way and like we're just you know we go with it we're just like yeah yeah this is the way and then and we we just go along with these journeys of din finding trust in the bay with, with baby yoda we feel the same way we meet these other characters we don't trust them also and then season two like when when um, Mando is in conflict. We're also in conflict. Cause like, whoa, wait. So, can can, can he really can he really take off his mask? Is this how it works? And yeah, I just I just find it just so fascinating how how it just the show really like allows us to to feel how how Mando is and just really be in his spot. But I think um, you know 
the the two points that I'll I'll try to briefly put out um with what I noticed um in season two and you know the thoughts that that I was able to to process here is that yeah with with with, with season two I, I think it's safe to say that season two really um talked about identity theme yeah. and the, the identity being such a How such a big challenge as well yeah Exactly, because season one, yeah, trust. Trust was a total theme because Mando was just a lone man, and then now he's this guy who's getting help from from Baby Yoda, these um these companions that he's found from other planets, and a freaking droid. You know that <laughs> yeah. like that's such a you know, like 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 at the end of episode. Uh, at the end of the at the end of season one, he's injured and he allows a droid to see his face. But you know, with that, with with a little loophole that you know the droid the droid's is not, not alive, bro. I can I can take off the mask. It's fine. It's fine. You can see my face. It's not like it's, it doesn't matter to you. It doesn't matter to you. But then, I think with, with season two, there's that fascinating parallel again with with Mando and Baby Yoda. Mando is now realizing that the creed that he knows and that he that that's been such a huge part of his identity is not really what it is. He meets Bo-Katan and you know they give him a, a sense of like what Mandalorians really are. And then he meets um Boba Fett where it's not really like told in detail about like his view on on you know Mandalorians, but you you also get this this sense that that Mando is really trying to figure out like what the fuck really is a Mandalorian? <laughs> it's like everyone's a Mandalorian. No one's a Mandalorian. Like what's going on? Yeah. Like what the what what, what did I get myself into, man? I was I was really just a, I was like legit. I'm just a kid and life is a nightmare. <laughs> that's, what, that's what happened to him, dude. Oh, that's man. what happened to him. And yeah, there. So so throughout the the story of season two for for Mando, he's figuring out this identity of what it is to be a Mandalorian, and then it ends with him now, uh, like realizing, oh shit! So I have the dark saber now. I can't give it back to Bo. So I guess I rule Mandalore. What the fuck? Yeah. You know, like like he was he's he's this lost dude who's learned to trust a lot of people, and now he has this identity. That he is so confused with having because he does not know what what his place in this in this you know in this culture you know that he's a part of right. But with with Baby Yoda, you know, as a contrast, he knows exactly what Baby Yoda has to be. Baby Yoda can use the Force, and Mando is just like, okay, I gotta give. The baby, you know, I gotta send him to a Jedi, and then he meets Ahsoka, and Ahsoka knows where, where Baby Yoda has to go next. Like I can't teach him because, like, you know, I got attachment issues, yo. So I'm gonna, <laughs> you know, there's issues. a Jedi that, yeah. So like, you know, like, you know, for for the for the fans and for those who are new to watching, she says there is a Jedi, and for for us, we're just like, I think it's Jedi, you know, Luke Skywalker, but you know, for. For so, because he's really like, there's this Jedi, so like maybe he can help out. If you can call him. <laughs> you know? Yeah, if you can call him, maybe he can help force, out. Force telephone. Out, 
out um baby yoda and you know i just find that so fascinating how you know it's 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 a contrasting parallel of does that make sense contrasting parallels just it's hundred times you know what <laughs> never mind parallel basta parallel you know there's that there's a whole thing mando is going through this journey and figuring out his identity but he doesn't know what to do with it well as for well as for baby yoda he has no choice but to go through this journey because that's what he's he's meant for his identity is already there but Mando figuring out what to do with Baby Yoda has led him to to realize how confused he is with what his identity is, and now we're stuck here in you know the ending of like you know it started with this is the way, and then it season two is like maybe this is not the way, and now he's the ruler of Mandalore and he's like oh shit, this so not confirmed yet, sure, sure. Well, we don't know yet. That's that's some season three speculation already. But, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. Well, but um, you know, yeah, yeah. As, like just just to finish like where I'm going with this, I feel like I sh- I, sh- I should have brought up the other point before this one because this feels like the the bigger thing that that could have been talked about. But the other thing, voila, I'm just fascinated about how in this season of uh in the season two of Mando's journey. He's he's encountered a big you know generation already of of what his what his background is. He meets Boba Fett, which is pretty much kind of close to where Mandalorian started, right? Basically, yeah. And then you know he meets Bo-Katan, which is this this other side of it. This kind of how do I how do I say this? Like this more royalty. Yeah, something like that. In, in in a way, and and you know, what? like it 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 just like added a lot more to just the whole fascination of of how how do you think uh, Mando is gonna process all of this in 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 season three? You know, knowing that what he was what he was raised through is not really what it is, deva. Okay, yeah. You know, it's 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 such a tough thing, but you know, it's it's really just a a big fascination. Cause you know, um, last thing with Lukban going into his his whole topic of trust, wasn't it a thing that Mandalorians and Jedi's were basically against each other? Like yeah. they were, they're mortal. Enemies. They were, yeah, they're, 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 yeah, they're, 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 they're mortal enemies. And then think about it: if if that's how. Mando really saw Jedi at like before season one going through that you know that the Jedi are enemies. Imagine that the big character development that Mando ends up meeting Ahsoka, trusting her to to train the kid, and but you know she's not really a total Jedi. But then later on at the end of season two, meets Luke Skywalker, trusts him, and he has to. Yeah. yeah, and like you know he's like the Jedi. He's the like for, for us like he's the like. You know, not the first because you know there was Obi Wan and there was Yoda, but the third Jedi. You know, <laughs> <laughs> in the way in the way stories came, like came through. But there's that that whole thing where the sto- the the journey for for of how Mando grew with Baby Yoda was that he was following the creed and didn't trust anyone, and then now at the end of it with the journey with Baby Yoda, he is, you know, he is. Allowing Baby Yoda to be to to 
to move forward with this journey with a fucking Jedi. <laughs> like, exactly. That's, yeah. I find that so bizarre now. Like, thinking about it, it's just, whoa. Maybe, what the fuck is the way? <laughs> he straight up was just like, with this, with this weird race of sorcerers. Space. He literally didn't even, he didn't even know what a Jedi was until like yeah. season two. He asked the armor. No, he, wait, he, had, he asked the armor what, what it was. Oh, yeah, he asked the armor, but and then he was just like, it's an he enemy. Was just like, they're, they're a weird race of sorcerers yes, and we're sorcerers. an original enemy of whatever. Mandalore, the great Mandalore. And then everyone's like, okay, they're enemies. <laughs> and then they're just like, I got it. He's an enemy, but he's also my friend. He's just what? super good. But he's a foundling, so that like trumps everything. That trumps everything, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, uh, awesome point, Fast. Thanks a lot. No, I, I think if we had to consolidate like everything, right? Like from, from everything that we sort of learned about how Din has really progressed as a character. It really kind of boils down to these few points. And in a sense of like his identity, which can be broken down further, uh, which I'll be doing in a bit, uh, his identity as a whole, uh, his relationship like with others, like again, like uh, in learning to trust others and being trustworthy himself and just being able to, to actually reach out and you know maintain and govern like these different relationships with these different people. And to really foster them and to see you know how they they can reflect and and help him right and not even help him like he just at some points it's just he's grown attached as well i, I think that entire conversation on the planet it, it it cut both ways it wasn't just for grogu like she was looking at mando oh she's looking at din and then she was just like he's attached to you because you're attached to him like she didn't say it but that was essentially what it was like it's really a father-son relationship like you guys do have that sort of relationship and yeah, uh, like if you had to, there, there are many layers, obviously, to the points that we've already talked about in regards to his identity, especially in regards to culture and in, in the Mandalorian creed, like how it's been challenged numerous times and, you know, how, it, how it's really flexible and it has, it keeps bending as the, as the series goes along, right? And then at the same time, his identity in regards to himself, like what does he actually, like what, what kind of personality is he supposed to have? Is he really a lone wolf type? We see the... At the end of season one, as Fras mentioned, like he he immediately calls an entourage, like from the people that have helped him while the kid was was with him, to, to help the kid. And then in season two, he does it again, right? And it's just a matter of like, oh, I'm I'm trusting these people with the kid's life, especially like because because he knows he can't do it alone. And there's that level of of respect, and even in you know stoicism, I I would argue that uh, it, knowing when to pick your battles and when actually to involve others, like it's not ever a solo mission, right? And that's something that we can all relate to. Now we don't actually have to do these things alone. It takes a certain level of strength to actually, you know, ask for help and actually allow people to assist you, right? That there's that there's that different relationship that you really do get from from Din, despite being a whole like badass on his own. It was just, hey, let like let some people in, and it was awesome because he was learning it from a kid, from his kid, essentially. And then on the level of of, of culture, it was just it was challenged again we, we state this so many times because it's just really cool uh imagine having your entire culture like challenged on numerous occasions by like different people and then even though you label these people pretenders and whatever they, they make they actually do make good points and they make you rethink your entire thing as 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 stoic as and as uh closed as as din might have been he was actually pretty receptive to the, all these people's opinions right and it really did influence his self-identity and his character and that, that's really what led up to, to the ending, I think, to the conclusion. It's just, you know, him being able to let go 
and him being strong enough to do it and actually trusting everyone involved. When when he took off his helmet, the entire ensemble was there. Everyone could see his face. Like it was for the kid, but then let's be real, like everyone could see him as well. Like there was a certain respect that he had for the people in the room. And as Fras mentioned, despite them being the enemy, actually from the beginning I would I would even say that the armor identified the kid as a Jedi, right? And she was like, This is an enemy and then he was just like, Oh, okay. And then the entire season one he was like, Never mind, I love this enemy. So in season two, it was just like, you know, with Ahsoka and Luke, I would argue that maybe he had that same association. And he was like, okay, maybe like bending culture again, that was the past. What about now? Like, are they still the enemy? And even though he brought that question with him, he was still receptive enough to, to really, receptive, sorry, enough to really accept Ahsoka and Luke. Enough to, with the kid's life, to trust the kid's life with them. Right? And uh, yeah, that took a certain strength that he was able to take from the kid. And that really influenced his entire development as a character, which I think all of us can relate to. Like maybe uh, we can give credit to, you know, series that we've watched even or, or people who have influenced our lives. And I think it's just a matter of really being able to appreciate these characters, right? And really appreciating, uh, you know, the different people in our lives that really influence our identity and how we, how we grow, how we interact. So yeah, on that note, though, uh, I think we can sort of wrap it up. Uh, maybe do you guys have any final thoughts? Like uh, season three speculations really quick. If you had to do it in one sentence, Fras, give me something. Yeah. Oh no! You son of yeah. Honestly, honestly, honestly speaking, go, go, go. I am legit. Like thinking about what we were left with in season two. All I can go is that imagine being in Mando's spot. You just look at the dark saber and they tell you, "Oh, it's yours until somebody fucking kills you for it." I probably me being in Mando's spot, I'd look at the dark saber and I'd be like, "Yeah, this is me. <laughs> this is me. This now is this me. is not this is the way. This, this is, is me." me. <laughs> <laughs> Greatest showman That's plays it. in the background. Anyway, uh, Nico, what's on your mind? One sentence. Uh. <laughs> For for me, I think I, I really just want them to I think that like our point on man on man on Din's uh like self-identity, I, I just hope I, I hope that they explore that a lot more. Like we've we've had this is the way showing like how much he believes in the creed. In season two, we've seen how much he's become to question the creed. And like I, I hope season three we get not the one like a conclusion. I mean, a conclusion would be nice, but then they they definitely probably want more than three seasons. Uh, I want but, more than three seasons. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I hope they give like a more like clear stance of like where Din's heads at regarding his own identity. I am the creed. I Fuck. am the creed. That's awesome. <laughs> or this is my creed. There is something yeah. like that. I am yeah. Mandalore. Whoa. Anyway, on that note, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening in. And that's it today for the Mandalorian Dinjarin, dad of Grogu. Thank you guys. Oh, hey, you're still here. Thanks for listening in. This podcast is really a way for us to share ideas and we have a lot of fun with it. We hope you did too. Feel free to comment your favorite part, any insights you've had while listening in. 
or maybe even a character for us to review. You never know, your suggestion might be the next one. But that's it for this episode. See you in the next one.